0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Let me read to you, because I don't know if you have an, an English Standard Version with you, and that's what I really want to read from. I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 33 and verse 7. Um, hold on, before we do that. Something that's that's like burning on the inside of me and a place that i believe that god is taking the church is to a deeper place of connection understanding and expression of relationship with him i think more than anything else god in the in the season that we're in right now is wanting to express himself in us in our life and in the world it's We've spent a lot of time, and I, I will touch on some stuff today that has to do with us and who we are. And God loves you to bits. Say, God loves me to bits. But you're part of a bigger vision, Okay we've indulged the body a little bit too much and everything's about how I get this and how I get that and have I got a nice boyfriend and am I blah, blah, blah. And God wants what's best for you, but I want you to understand something. There is a perspective that comes when we recognize the fact that we are part of a bigger plan in God's context. Every time I look at self, I become self-indulgent. Every time I look at self, I'm worried about my padding and my happiness and my fulfillment and me, 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 me. But if I take my eyes off self and I put it on him, I start to gain a greater vision and understanding that there is a greater purpose at play beyond me. It becomes important because it becomes an invitation for me to recognize the fact that he wants me to be a part of that greater vision. And as long as I'm looking to me and what I'm all about, what ends up happening is I don't participate in anything outside of that. Say, just nudge your nave and say, He gave you a great message this morning. I hope you were listening. It was all for you. There were things that happened in the Old Testament, and they are just as pertinent and relevant for us in the New Testament, but the way that it works is slightly different because we're under a different covenant. You see, under the old covenant, what ended up happening is all they had was the opportunity to engage with God and to go and meet with God. But we're under a new covenant, and what Jesus made available for us is for God to come and live inside of us. So the things and the way that God operates may shift, but the principles are still the same. He still wants to engage. He still wants relationship. He still wants to meet with you. Now, really, I'm going to read this time. Exodus 33, verse 7. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up. And each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I'm not finished. But I just let that sink in. God spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. I want you to get the picture. Relationship with God was so important to Moses that he created a special place, a tabernacle, a tent. Separate from the camp, separate from the people, a place where he could go and meet with God. And when he went to meet with God, everybody else stayed behind. Everybody else worshipped from afar. But he went and spoke to God face to face like a friend. The life of a believer should be characterized by face-to-face, like a friend. Good worship from a distance is not a substitute. This is not designed to to be difficult, uh, to, to put any kind of conviction on people. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show you what. God extends to us and the opportunities that he's made available to us and not to settle for complacency, not to settle for a little part of what we could have when you have the opportunity to gauge and to to have that relationship, friend to friend with God. That's so powerful. When Moses turned again into the camp. His assistant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And Moses said to the Lord, see you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Moses found favor in his sight. This is, this is, this is, this is all side things. I'll get to the message in a minute. God is not a respecter of person. Okay? But we are a respect of where we place our affections and our value. And God responds accordingly. God, does, God has everything available to everyone. It's not a works program. It's not about what you earn. But it is about how hungry you are for the things of God. God values what he has and what he's about. And what he's looking for is people who sit and say, I value that more than anything. And I'm pursuing that. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. there is a place of favor with God. And the place of favor with God comes from our heart disposition that says, what do you want with God? Is my heart disposition to sit and say, let me understand you and let me build relationship with you. Let me live from a place of intimacy with you so that you give definition to who I am. And as a result of me giving you access to my life, you find favor with me. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to them, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. For how shall it be that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? What should make us distinct is that we are characterized and defined by the life that's on the inside of us. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that I've spoken to you, I will do, for I have found favor in my in, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory and he said i will make all my goodness pass before you and i will proclaim before you my name the lord and i will be gracious to whom i will be gracious and i will show mercy on whom i will show mercy but he said you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live and i don't want to read the rest of that that's fine right now i believe that god is doing something profound And something very exciting. And he's looking for us to partner with him. The big question that goes with so much of what we do with God is, are you interested in it or are you committed to it? You see, the people who were in the camp were interested in the things of God. The people who sat in the camp were interested in what God had to say. But they weren't committed to it. Moses, you're committed. You go to the tent. And you come back and tell us what we should do. Are we interested Or are we committed? The way that we know that is by what we do with what we have. I'm talking about who we are as our person. I'm not talking about your money right now. I'm talking about where do you invest of yourself? If you have a look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. If I can find it. Have you got it, Donna? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. He who sows, who is he? It's me. Who are you? For a long time, we've been talking about defining the difference between the brain and the mind. And the reason it's so important is because in scriptures like this, it starts to become very consequential. Understand this, that we are spirit beings. And at the very heart and the essence of who we are, the the very center, the core of our being, is what we call mind. Mind is a spiritual component. Mind is what gives you the capacity to give definition to who who you are. It's your character. It's your personality. That's who you are. When you die, mind, which is part of spirit, goes with spirit to God. You still know who you are. It's not left behind with the body. The body is the brain. It's really important because understand that when God created us, he created us as a spirit being, but we're not just spirit that has no sense to be able to have a look at things and synthesize stuff and be able to make definitions as to what contributes to who I am, to make choices in defining what I'm all about. All of those things are of the mind. It's who I am. When God speaks about you, when God says me, when I say me, when he's talking about I, who is he talking about? He's talking about your mind. He's talking about that component to who you are that defines who you are. He's talking to the essence of your being. So when he says... You have to make a decision This day as to where you want to invest. What he's saying is you are mind. You are spirit in nature. So you have the capacity to be able to go either way. You can utilize the tool that I've given you called your brain. And you can live from everything that is in the sense realm and in the world. And everything that you get from here. Or you can live from relationship with spirit. The reason that mind is spirit in nature is because it is of the same Uh, The uh, material is God. It's spirit. So I have the capacity to engage spirit to spirit. Or I have the capacity to utilize my brain and go outside to find definition for myself. What he's saying is what's most important to you is going to define where you invest things. We're comfortable in the natural realm because this is what we know. And as we begin to discover the fact that God wants an intimate relationship with us, it becomes incumbent on us to recognize the fact that I have to make a shift in who I am. And I have to change from being a person who's so comfortable letting my mind have access to my brain and my feelings and my world and everything that happens outside of here. And I begin to make a shift to sit and say, I'm going to navigate into a new realm. It's called spirit realm. And mind is going to find and discover who God is in that context. And when I discover who he is and I actually am able to meet up with him, I'm able to forge something called the ability to relate, relationship. What he's saying is you're moving into a new realm and I understand that. But if it's important to me, what will end up happening is I begin to move into that space, even if it's tentatively to sit and say, I know I've got to get into that place, because that's where I'll discover God. God never goes to your brain. You're not going to discover God in your world. You may see aspects of who he is. You may see what he does outside of there. But if you want to meet with God, it's spirit to spirit. So I have to move into a dimension that I'm not always aware of. It's not a dimension I was raised with. And it requires of me to have moments of discovery about what it is because it operates so differently to everything that happens outside of here. Out here, everything is driven by information, but spiritually it's driven by relationship. Out here, it's, it's all about content. It's all about info. But in here, it's all about revelation. God operates in different ways. And so I have to discover who God is, and I have to discover how I work with him. And I have to discover and get myself comfortable in a new realm, a place I haven't been before. Why? Because there's a purpose to my life that transcends everything that's happening out here. And unless I can connect with the author of purpose, I'll never step into it. I'll never step into it. There's a shift that happens. And I'm starting to get more comfortable with a new dimension. I'm indulging peculiarity. Those people who are defined by God. defines the constitution of our life is something called your beliefs. Your beliefs define the constitution of your life. All things are possible to him that believes. Let me paraphrase that. The potential of your life and the capacity to be able to to do things in life is directly related to what you believe. The fence of your life is established by the beliefs of your life. Belief is of you, it's not of God. God knows what you believe. God's interested in what you believe. But God doesn't define what you believe. You do. You get to choose what you believe. But God says, like you have belief, I can give you faith. Faith is not of you. Faith is of God. And the reason that faith is important is because God takes something of him. He takes an aspect of who he is, and what he does is he imparts that to who you are. Spirit to spirit. It's about revelation. It's about an impartation. There's something that's birthed on the inside of me. And as a result of what he puts on the inside of me, when I allow that to give definition to who I am, all of a sudden life springs up. And you know what ends up happening? I revolutionize my constitution. In that area, all of a sudden, I used to know this as the limitation, but all of a sudden, the limitation and the boundary gets pushed out because my beliefs are being defined by Him. Yes. Belief is of you, but faith is of Him. Yes. Every time, let Christ live in your heart by faith. What is he saying? He's doing something on the inside of you. He's imparting something on the inside of you, which is shifting you and changing you and transforming you, which is affecting the constitution of your life, which is pushing out the boundaries of your life, which is expanding the capacity of your life. Why? Because he wants you to live from a different place, because he wants you to know who he is, because when you know who he is, you can partner with him. How can any two walk together, is it, unless they agree? You don't know your constitution through your understanding. You know your constitution through experience. So when he comes in and he affects the constitution of your life, when he affects the belief of your life, it's not that you have a you you may have a superficial view of it, but you only really gain an understanding when you begin to live from it. I am a new creation. A new creation! All of a sudden, all the limitations, everything that used to have a tent peg in it that said this is where it used to be, says that's no longer where it is anymore. I am a new creation. As a new creation, all things are made new. So what is going to happen to that? And what is it going to look like? You were forgiven. Fabulous. Do you know what forgiveness You know it is a function of forgiveness? Repentance. You know what repentance means? Change your mind. We always thought change your mind meant changing your thinking. He's not talking about your thinking. He's talking about who you are. He's talking about your mind. He's talking about the essence of your being. He's sitting saying, I'm not worried about what happens in your brain. It's a tool. It'll fall in line once the mind gets it. Change your mind means change your identity. I'm not that anymore. I'm something new. And when I'm something new, I live from something new. I'm righteous. I'm not righteous because I have it in my head. It's something born on the inside of me. I've got no room for guilt in my life anymore. I'm righteous. Things change. The boundaries of my life are expanded. Why? Because I'm engaging with something new. And all of a sudden, Christ is affecting me in a meaningful way that affects not only the way that I live, but how I feel about myself, about him. About my capacity and my opportunity to engage with life. Ooh, so good. And I'm thirsty. Won't you please throw that to me? Thank you. Oh. Where does the time go so quickly? Good grief. John chapter 6. Jesus is out there, and he's been ministering to 5,000 people, and it gets time to feed everybody. Who is Jesus? Jesus goes to get baptized by John. And John baptizes him, and as he comes out of the water, a voice from heaven says, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. You know what? Remember, Jesus was the man. Jesus, the man, discovered what it was to be beloved of the Father and discovering what it was to live from that place to find who he was because it defined who he was he found favor with god this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased and when he did that the holy ghost descended on him and from that moment he had Jesus, the man, was empowered and became the Christ. Do you know what the Christ is? The anointed one. The Christ is the one with power. Jesus never had the power. The Christ had the power. It was his being. It was who he was. The Holy Spirit came in. And all of a sudden, in that space, it wasn't just that you had Jesus, but you had the anointed one as well. Jesus lived from a place where he began to spend an inordinate amount of time discovering and living from the Christ. The life of God on the inside of me. He would separate himself all the time. And where would you find him? He's off in prayer. Everybody else is sleeping because they're tired. Where's Jesus? Praying. What is he doing? There's something on the inside of me. And I might not be able to go out into the tent to meet with him. But if I can separate myself, I can get together with him inside of who I am. Yes. When I say prayer is about the meeting place, prayer, prayer is about the tabernacle. Prayer is about separating yourself from the crowd and the everybody else and getting together with him. Just sit and say, "It's your friend." Yes, yes, yes. It's your friend. So he goes out there. And he says, Well, what are you going to do? What feed these people? And they come up and they say, Well, you know, we've got five loaves and two fish. And we all know what happened. Here's the principle what you have is not as consequential as who you are. What you have is not as consequential. who you are. Everybody has stuff. I have opinions about who I am. I have an opinion about who God is. I have an opinion about what life should be. I have thoughts about this. I have doctrine about that. I have theology about this. I have feelings about this. I have my own set of, of convictions about this. I have, I have, I have. Whatever you have is not as important as who you are it's not as important for one reason everything that you have comes from here and the minute it comes from there you know what it's subject to change yeah. Yeah. well i used to have that and i used to think that but now i think this subject to change i can't build a foundation on that i can't build something solid on that because it's always subject to change Who you are is so important because the thing about it is you don't live from what you have. You live from who you are. You live from who you are. You can't help it. It's your nature. What you have, you can help. What you have, you can change. What you have, you can influence. But your nature, you can't. You feel guilty about something, try and change it. I invite you, try and change it. You're fearful, try and change it. Because what we discover is that we're a slave to who I am. And who I am is going to be defined by something other than me. Oh, God gave us something so wonderful. He gave us the opportunity. Guard your heart. Because what he's saying is your mind is in that space. The center of your being. That which defines who you are. The thing about it is be really careful what you let into that space. Because once you let it in, you can't get it out. Once you let it come into that place and gain definition. It's like taking a white shirt and staining it. You're never getting it out. You can't do it. If I'm fearful, I can't change it. If I'm anxious, I can't change it. If I feel guilty about stuff, I can't change it. If I hate who I am and I never feel like I'm worthy, I can't change it. And what I have doesn't help. Who I am is so important. That's why God is so much more interested in who you are, not what you have. What you have in God's economy is inconsequential. Subject to change. Subject to change. This is why it's important. Because as we're moving into a realms of dimension and what God is inviting us into, the thing is, it's important that we be able to partner with God in that. And as a result of that, it's important that we, who we are, allows him the influence into spaces in our life so that it can birth on the inside of us who Christ is. It allows us to be conformed to his image so that we can partner with him. You can earn respect because of what you have, but you only get authority because of who you are. You can get respect because I'm really smart. I can get respect because I'm so talented. I can get respect because I'm a great football player. I can get accolades because I'm a fabulous singer. I can get a whole bunch of respect, but you only get authority because of who you are. You only get authority because of who you are. So who I am becomes really important. You can know about the rules of, of the road. You can understand the rules of the road. You can have experience about driving on the road. You can drive all you want on the road, and you can sit and say, I know all this road signs of the road. The fact of the matter is, unless who you are is a traffic officer, I wouldn't advise you to stand on 66 and put your hand up. Traffic doesn't stop because of what you know. Traffic stops because of who you are. I am the (laughs) law. Who I become has huge influence in my life. Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. Who are you? you Who are you? If we're wanting to have influence in the spirit realm, everything comes down to who you are. Here's the shocker. You're nothing. Unless Christ is born in you, you have nothing. All authority and all power is given unto me. Therefore, you go. What is he saying? You can't do it in your own strength because you don't have authority. You can't do it in your own power because you don't have power. I do. Go. A police officer becomes who he is because he's given authority by the state. He stands up as a result of what has been given to him by the state. It defines who he is, and people respond accordingly. In the spirit realm, what you've been given by Christ, who you are in Christ, the authority you have in Christ, and the power that comes with Christ is what makes you significant. If I don't have that, who are you? It becomes so incumbent on us, so important to be able to start to give definition to who am I? Get out of the mind, uh, the the brain. Get out of all of the stuff that's happening here. Because when you start to engage with God, he doesn't spend time with all the peripheral nonsense. He hasn't got time for bubble and froth. He's like, it's go to the heart of the matter. You know what the problem is? You don't feel this. You don't believe this. You don't understand this. What he's saying is, it's an invitation. It's not a criticism. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to step into something new. I want you to partake of something which is of me. Because all of a sudden in that space, all of this stuff starts to shift and starts to change. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 to 14. If you, then if you were raised with Christ, who's born again? Oh, he... <laughs> seek. Seek. There's nothing passive about seeking. Yeah. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seek is intentional. It's sitting saying, I've made a determination. I'm doing something with intention behind it. It's not going to happen accidentally. Gee, I just walked into a corner. Look what happened! It walked around the corner, not into one. Please don't walk into a corner. See, you can't listen to everything I say. I'm just checking to make sure you're paying attention. It's not going to happen by accident. There's an intentionality behind the things of God. Where are you investing? You were raised with Christ. Seek, you are not seek means in the Greek, is to search after, to aim at, and it is an opportunity to die for. It's an opportunity to die for. Why is it important? Because the things that define who I am cannot be at odds with one another. I cannot be a fearful person and a faithful person at the same time. Something's got to give. The reason I'm fearful is not because I got it from Christ. The reason I'm fearful is because I spent too much time living from my brain and being exposed to the realities of life. And some stuff got in there and it made me apprehensive and fearful because life is a scary place and people don't always treat you nicely and life is not always kind. And very often you indulge in a whole bunch of stuff that's cruel. And I don't want that. So I live from fear. Stay away. But he can't birth faith in me as long as fear is living there. Seek first. It's an opportunity to die. Fear. I'm going to put you to death. Why am I going to put you to death? Because I want faith to live in me. And as long as fear is harboring and and in that spot, God can't put faith in. It's an opportunity to die. So he can birth something in me. Seek those things which are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of, the, of God. Talks about authority. Set your mind. Mind. Identity. Not your thoughts. I'm so tired. People wonder why this is so consequential. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard preachers sit and say, change your thinking. Changing your thinking is about changing your brain. It's not going to change who you are. The invitation is not to change your thinking. Your thinking is a product of who you are. If you change your mind, if you change your identity, the thinking will follow. It doesn't work the other way around. So we get people engaged in a whole bunch of stuff which is outside of God's realm of interest, doing stuff in their brain. And he's saying, I don't want to, I don't, don't, get out of the brain. Seek. Get back to spirit. Get back to spirit. Set your mind set your mind on things above we look unto jesus the author and the finisher setting our mind not on things on the earth for you died and your life is hidden with christ in god when christ who is our life appears then you will also appear with him it's basically to make visible and to make known his glory what is it saying moses said god show me your glory What is the glory of God? It's the presence of the person of God. And where the person is, the power is. And where the power is, the anointing flows. You can't have the status quo when the glory arrives. Something happens. Something happens. Because the presence is there. What he's saying is this. When you get defined by Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not that Christ is coming down from the throne and and he's coming to inhabit you. What it's saying is the spirit of Christ is coming into that place. The spirit of Christ, all that his authority and his power and his goodness and his life has to offer, comes into that space and gives redefinition to you so that you look like the sun. So what he's, what he's doing on the inside of me is he's creating somebody who's able to adopt and, and move into life with his perspective. So I move into places and I look at situations and it's like I feel an incongruence with who I am. Because I'm sensing him. Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Satan. What is he talking about? He wasn't talking to, he was, he was recognizing something that was happening beyond Peter. Yeah. Peter didn't even get it. <laughs> What's happening? He's having the mind of the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. And he's seeing things from a different perspective. So his response is different in situations. His response is burst out of something which is spirit, not something which is Natural. The natural wants to sit and say, oh, Pete, it's okay. I'm sure he hurt your feelings. But spirit says, you went outside of the boundaries. You gave access to something you shouldn't have given access to. We're learning to operate by spirit. And sometimes f- spirit is going to rub up against flesh a little bit. Because flesh doesn't like to be treated badly. It's not that you, God wants to. But understand that you don't indulge the flesh. Oh, gee. Okay, let me, I'm just going to run on for a few minutes. If you need to go, I know you've got to go. And it's, I appreciate that. Um, why is it so important? When I gave birth to my kids... Well, I didn't actually give birth to my kids. Ah! <laughs> Boy, Jesus, am I thankful for that. <laughs> Sorry. I, I love all the women, I, all the mothers I, I celebrate you. Trust me. Every man will bow at your feet for that. Anyway, when I fathered, yeah, good job. when I fathered my kids, I imparted something to them, which was of me. Jackie was looking the other day at a picture of me about 35 years ago. And Rafa said, you looked handsome back then. I was like, oh! And Jackie looked at the picture, and she says, you know what? Carter looks just like you. Wow. He, just, he looks just like you. Wow. Wow. You know what? I can't give Carter my looks. I can't give it to him. It's not something that I have. It's something that he's got to get from me. It's something that's got to be birthed in him. Because he's flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Unless you get it that way, you're never going to, I can't give my looks to anybody else. It's the same with God. God doesn't have life. God is life. That's why God can't give you life, because it's part of who He is. It has to be birthed in you. It's about your nature changing. That's why He's interested in who you are, because He's taking who He is and He's birthing it in you. When He births it in you, what ends up happening is, I live from a new place. I can't help it because it's God in me. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. This is what he's saying. You are in Christ. God's purpose for you is to find the fullness of who you are in Christ. You are in Christ's body. Everything that Christ has is available to you. It's positional. That's what happened when you got born again. Everything is available. But he doesn't just leave it as you are in Christ. He says, but Christ is to be in you. That's experiential. What it's saying is everything that's available to Christ is available to you when Christ is born in you. Where is he going to be born? Keep going. Yes. One person's listening. (laughs) In your mind. Why is it your mind? Because you get to choose. Your mind is you. Your mind is his God gave you the the blessing of choice. You choose what comes into that space. You can even close the door to God. Why do you think he uses the analogy, I stand at the door and knock? For some people, he's been knocking a long time. You choose to open. You choose to open. I got choice. But when you open the door, you let in life. And when you let in life, what ends up happening is Christ is born on the inside of you, it's of his nature. Why is that important? <laughs> I was going to show you something else, but let me show you. Oh, no, I have to, ch- let me just tell you this. No, I have to tell you this because otherwise you're not going to believe me. I'll tell you why it's important. Listen, Christ is born in you when you make a choice to let him in there. Listen, Ephesians 3 verse 17, Paul prays that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. You choose that. Colossians 2 verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You are in Christ, but you make a choice whether you walk in him. You are in Christ, but you make a choice whether you're going to open the door and let Christ into those spaces in your life. Why is it important? Because God's power... There is such potential. Say he loves me so much. (laughs) He loves me. He loves you so much, but he doesn't trust your flesh. (laughs) So you know what he says? Can I trust you to steward my power? No. The reason Christ is born on the inside of you is because I walk into places where what ends up happening is, he says, I'll steward my own power. Thank you. I will steward it through you. When he's not in that place, I can't trust you with stuff. It's got nothing to do with anything else. Then you know what? The nature of what you're living from, I don't know what you would do with it. But when I am born in you, it puts me in a place where I can steward that. What ends up happening is I'm able to partner with the Holy Spirit and move into places and into new dimensions and and into new environments where what's on the inside of me is able to come out and bring about transformation. Why? I can steward it myself. That's what Christ says not me. That's why Peter, going to the gate, beautiful, and he sees the... The crippled guy at the the gate. And he says, silver and gold have I none. It's not what I have, but what I have. Who I am, I give unto you. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) We're so privileged. So privileged. He's a tabernacle for the presence. Don't take it for granted. Separate yourselves. Be intentional. Seek his face. The best compliment God can give you is if he calls you friend. In that space, Who I am, my mind, and everything that's defined that and everything that's alive on the inside of that place is going to be exposed and bad. He knows what's in there. I don't always. But what he's going to do is he's going to take those things and he's going to bring them to our awareness. He's gonna make us aware of what's in there. Why? Because he's so much more interested in us being conformed to his image and living from life, as opposed to harboring something which is defining an aspect of my living, my being, my feeling, and my thinking, which has its nature, death. He's doing something on the inside of me so that I begin to develop and live from an appreciation of who he is and his power in my life. As I start to get established in that space, I start to build my house on the rock. I start to get established in who I am, not what I have. It moves me to a place where I start to have a recognition and an appreciation for his presence. He's separate to me. I am not him, when I have the mind of Christ, mind is identity, when he defines my being, I'm so sensitive to his promptings and his influence and his directing. And I'm able to move in places and into situations where when I arrive, He arrives with me. And there's purpose behind it. The purpose is to make His presence known. It's to unfold glory. Glory comes with power. It's ultimately what he's called the church to do. My glory will cover the earth as the oceans cover the sea. We're here to take who he is and introduce him into situations and just let the presence of his person do some stuff. The nature of church needs to change. Church has become very focused uh, on being a humanitarian entity. We have soup kitchens, and we have reading programs, and we give food to whoever, and we do all of these things, and I don't have a problem with any of that stuff, but that's peripheral. You can do all of that stuff, and it'll never touch your mind. You can, the, the world does all of that stuff and probably does it a lot better than the church does. I'm not against that stuff, but I'm concerned that that's become a substitute for church. That's not what church is about. Church is about to know Him and the power of his resurrection. Church should take you outside of the natural and engage you with the spiritual. Church should take you outside of your brain and take you to a place where who you are, your mind, interacts with the spirit. It should begin to unfold for us what it is to live a life from a spiritual dimension. It should introduce us to the truths of who he is and invite us to allow that to define who we are. When we move into that space, we're really doing church. But we don't hear enough of that. Just a thought. Won't you bow your heads? Holy Spirit, we just ask you to touch everybody's mind here today. We open ourselves up, Holy Spirit, to your influence. And I pray that you'll just fuel the fires of hunger inside every person. build inside of them a hunger to seek for and search for the things of God, to seek those things which are above, to begin setting our mind on who he is. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the great teacher. And I thank you that you take each one of us on our journey, introducing us to new realms in the spirit, inviting us to participate and partake of his nature. I want to thank you for the tremendous work that you're doing in forming a new people, a new generation, a people who are not defined by what they have, but a people who are giving definition and expression to who they are. thank you, Father, for the creation of a generation of people who are world changers. I speak blessing and prosperity and protection over every person here today. And everybody's watching online. Take us deeper in the things of you, Holy Spirit. Take us deeper. I bless you for it. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.